of the sky. Look. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I am your host as always, Matt Spectro, and this is the podcast exclusively talking comic book animation. That's right, I'm a lifetime comic fan, lifetime superhero fan, lifetime animation fan. And every week, me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Welcome to episode... 69. I'm going to briefly explain the rules and then we're going to get right into it. Rule number one, like I said, comic book animation. It's what we're doing every week. Enough said. Rule number two, huge fan of the old team-up books. Marvel team-up, DC Comics presents Marvel 2-in-1 Brave and the Bold. So it's a team-up podcast every week. Me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Third and most important, we got to have fun. Like I said, this is episode 69. Without further ado, I'm going to bring out my guest. He's a first-timer to the multiverse. He is the co-host of Commute, the podcast. Welcome to the multiverse, Jay. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you joining us this week for uh, episode uh, 69. I'm going to keep saying that until it gets a chuck. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you for joining us. You and I went back and forth on a few things. We decided to go slightly uh, modern. And I wanted to talk something that uh, one of the choices you gave me, we're going to talk the God of Thunder, the Mighty Thor. Yeah. Yeah. We caught up on an animated film, you know, I watched it last night, enjoyed it pretty well. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Well, um, I've got to say, um, I've done one Thor episode a while back, but it was more in a, one of the Avengers cartoons. And until we started talking, I completely forgot that this Thor animated film actually existed. Well, you told me which one it was and where it was and that it was on HBO Max. I was like, there's no way it's on HBO Max. It, it has to be somewhere else. But no, it is on HBO Max. Before we get into it, um, the animation itself, we're going to just talk the God of Thunder a little bit. Now, uh, this is, uh, by the way, also to my knowledge, is the only animation ever that Thor is the main character, that it revolves around Thor, that it features Thor. He's been guest starring in a lot of cartoons. He's shown up in a lot of Avengers. But to my knowledge, uh, this is the only one, except there might have been one of those, those really cheap 60s Marvel cartoons that was barely animation that was basically <laughs> uh, a stop-motion comic book. He might have been in one of those. But other than that, this is the only one that I'm aware of. So for anybody not familiar with Thor, if we in the comic book, Thor is the god of thunder he uh origins trace back to nordic and uh germanic germanic i don't know if that's how you say it german germanic, <laughs> germanic. <I guess> that. <laughs> um mythology um far back as uh they say that uh they can go back to as far as the eighth century finding evidence that uh thor was in literature and uh worshiped believe it or not i don't know, I don't know how much a history buff you are they've supposedly found relics like hammer statues and whatnot going back to uh they found some that they think are dated in the 10th century believe it or not 
So you're really teeing me up here because I actually am a ninth grade world history teacher uh, and I've been teaching for about 11 years. So this is kind of my, this is my bread and butter right here. But there's always at least one kid every year that I have that comes in and just knows so much about Norse mythology. Like they've just read every book about it and they just have all this knowledge and then they think that I know just as much. And it's like, <laughs> nope, you, you're the expert in this room <laughs> about it, not me. Are they getting it from Thor, the the yeah. comic character? Oh. Yeah, like that's the, that's the the kind of the intro, like the gate into it, and then they just they've just amassed all this like crazy knowledge about Norse mythology. I just smile and nod. Well, I admit, um, a majority of my Greek and uh, Norse mythology came from reading comic books as a kid. I later on read a lot of. Uh, Especially Hercules, I read a lot of the novels written about him. But uh, yeah, that's my initial. A lot of my history comes from reading comic books as a child. Yeah, it's that, and then it's the kids who like play all the Assassin's Creed games or whatever. Like they come in, they're just they're ready to go. They don't even need to pay attention. So we're gonna go to the early '60s, where uh, Thor made his first appearance in Marvel Comics Journey into Mystery 1980. Let me say that again: Journey into Mystery issue 83. <laughs> Released in 1962, created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby. Stan Lee was a big fan of a lot of the mythology, and he wanted to create a character. He said that uh, a lot of people would already be familiar with from you know being from heroic mythology and whatnot. Yeah, I always thought that was interesting, like just kind of how he is this hero that dates back so far. It's unlike any other ones, which are kind of created uh, kind of in a more modern sense, but this kind of idea of taking a hero that's already been around for centuries and centuries and kind of reworking him for the modern world in a way. I always thought that was kind of interesting. Made him more of an interesting character, I guess. And um, little did I know until I was doing some research that uh, Jack Kirby in 1957 actually did a uh, story for DC Comics, Tales of the Unexpected. And he did an, a version of Thor in that version as well that predates the Marvel version. Now, interestingly enough, DC has over the years had a version of Thor as well because Marvel doesn't own the rights to the intellectual property of Thor. They only own the rights to their version of the character. And the DC version hasn't shown up that much. I remember he showed up in the Sandman comic, but they went for more of the traditional big-ass red beard Thor, a little bit more of a drunken lout than, <laughs> than the one we all know. They should kind of just uh, run a power play and just be like, you know what? We're just going to throw Thor out there and just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and um the comic was uh fairly popular i wouldn't say it was on the level of say spider-man or the fantastic four or uh the incredible hulk or daredevil but it was very popular he uh, ended up journeying to mystery he was the star that until the title became the mighty thor in issue 126 also became a founding member of the avengers as well which was I wouldn't call it a ripoff of the Justice League, but it was basically the same idea of taking a bunch of their characters that had their own books and merging them together. Yeah. Now, would you say, we discussed that you're uh, not, um, comics isn't your life, but you were in, into it. Would you say Thor, favorite character? Or would you uh, have a, one that you could really narrow it down to? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've always found him interesting. You know, I, yeah, I haven't really, you know, gotten super deep into comics throughout my life, but um, I love going to the movies, so I've seen you know everything Marvel's put out uh, over the past ten years through the their cinematic universe, and I've liked the evolution of Thor a lot. Like I, I've uh, I know it's some people kind of have different opinions on it and how it's gone through the the movies that are out now, but I've kind of liked watching the evolution, and and I think I think it's been good. The only thing I never, as a kid growing up, 
I liked Thor, especially uh, Walt Simonson's run in the 80s, but they always wrote him talking like the classic, like, uh, uh, lack of a better term, Shakespearean talk. And uh, sometimes it's difficult to read, especially as a kid. Yeah, which like in the first movie with Chris Hemsworth, you know, they like kind of embraced that a little bit, I guess. And then as it's gone on, they've kind of made fun of that, I guess, in a way, uh, which I don't know. I, th- I I guess I can see why you do that. I guess if you're a purist, maybe you're not crazy about that. But I see why they made that move away from that, at least from a movie standpoint. At one point, the the, mo- the hardest comics to read were when uh, Hulk would meet Thor because... I don't know about you, when I read, I kind of, the, the voices in my head of the characters, and yeah. you're going from, you know, thou vastly this and that, and then you're going to Hulk, Hulk smash, and <laughs> Hulk hate yellow hair, and doing that back and forth in your head is just really difficult to read sometimes. But you bring up the movies, which uh, at the time, not so much now, at one point, even though Captain America is my favorite all-time superhero, Thor in the MCU was my by far my favorite character. I, at the beginning, for the first couple of films, loved him. I loved Hemsworth's rendition, thought he was badass, thought he was better than every other character. Uh, that's waned uh, with some time with some of the <laughs> rather stupid <laughs> humor they've done. But I will say, even though they made some changes, uh, I was a big fan. I'm actually, I stand by uh, the first Thor, I think is the best of the four films, even though some people dispute that yeah i've I've liked all of them pretty well um i know people kind of crapped on the second one a lot i didn't think it was that bad I, I have mixed feelings about some of the other ones um i did like ragnarok pretty well the most recent one i did see it um i had mixed feelings on it i felt um i felt like it almost felt like an incomplete movie in a way um i felt like it was uh you could tell that there had been kind of a lot of things taken out of it i guess it felt like it was i was kind of getting whiplash sometimes kind of watching it and I left the theater kind of being like, all right, I kind of see the bones of a movie, but I don't I don't know if I'm seeing like the meat on the bones of the movie. Um, and so it left left me wanting more, I guess, in a way. Uh, I have not seen Thor Love and Thunder, so I cannot comment. I'm in the camp of I think the dark world gets a little overly hated. I, there's yeah. definitely some problems with pacing and whatnot. And the villain, which I'm told I've read that they edited a lot of his dialogue and his scene. So it's not entirely his fault, but the villain's a little generic, but I don't mind that movie. Ragnarok would have been the best. I think if they had cut maybe like five or six jokes out of it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I some of that. them I liked, but some of them, I, I just thought were poorly timed and took away from moments that you should have been like really swept up by, but then they would always follow it up with some, stupid joke yeah yeah i can definitely see that um and uh i think when you do get to see love and thunder we'll have to catch up and talk about it because i think you're gonna be um not very happy because <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of those like as you're saying that i was like oh i'll know uh there's a lot of those moments in uh, love and thunder i mean ragnarok though well, for god's sake hulk suplexes a giant wolf i mean that is something you cannot hate that scene is one of my favorite things to ever happen in an mcu movie you know you got kate blanchett jeff goldblum i mean it's you know it's it's good they, they did the warriors three dirty though that 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 sticks in my craw a little yeah bit. <laughs> the subject of today's episode thor Tales of Asgard. We're going back to May 17th, 2011. This was a direct-to-DVD animated movie featuring uh, Thor, the God of Thunder. And like 
until recently, I, I knew this existed and then I kind of forgot got about it until you and I started talking about doing this episode. But this thing came and went in 2011. I didn't even know it came out at the time. Yeah, I had to look look it up. And the only thing I could find was like a nine movie DVD box set. It was like you get all nine movies for like $15 or something like one of those deals. Uh, but the the thing that I kept finding online while I was looking, it was like people were saying, is this supposed to be like MCU related or is it not or whatever? And there was disagreement. Like some, And uh, I guess Kevin Feige was the executive producer of this movie. Uh, and there was kind of this disagreement about if it was supposed to take place uh, in that universe or if it was its own animated project. I don't think I ever fully found an answer on that. Well, back in 2006, Marvel had done uh, The Ultimate Avengers, which was a direct-to-DVD animated movie. And then they would went on to release a series of them that all kind of fit into the same universe. There was two of the Ultimate Avengers. There was Thor versus Hulk. They did the Doctor Strange one. They did an Iron Man one. They all are kind of connected. And this was the last of them. This was the very last one that they did was this Thor Tales of Asgard. It's produced by MLG Productions, Lionsgate, and Marvel Animation Studios. Now, it was actually completed in 2009, but they let it sit on the shelf because they wanted it to come out and coincide with the very first Thor movie in 2011. That's probably why people were so confused. Like, is this supposed to relate to this or not or, or whatever? I guess that makes sense, though, from a marketing standpoint. Now, um, and we're going to touch upon that a little bit at, during our review, but I don't want to get too much into the details of that part because it's going to spoil a little bit of what we're going to be talking about when we actually review the animation itself. So remind me to get into the connection to the uh, MCU and the Thor films. So it um, was directed by a Sam Liu, screen bay by screen <laughs> screenplay by uh, Craig Kyle and uh, Greg Johnson. Yeah, like I said, it was released in 2011, coinciding with uh, the movie. Couldn't have had that much marketing because I remember the movie coming out in 2011, and I don't remember <laughs> this being mentioned at all people were hyped for that movie too because it was back kind of at a simpler time of film uh, especially like kind of the cinematic universe film where the end credits now and just kind of the future of the mcu and all that it is kind of out there you know they hold these big expos and they say here's the next like 15 movies we're doing and here's casting and so we kind of always know what's happening so there's not a lot of surprises but back whenever Iron Man uh, 2 came out and the like the hammer was at the end credit scene like people had no clue that that was happening like that was uh, I remember that just being like this very like oh my gosh like who's the who's this person who's Thor I need to go find out who that is and it was genuine excitement uh, whereas today I feel like we're we've lost a little bit of that because uh, you just kind of like you know you're not really surprised anymore you know you know what's coming uh, down the line. Uh, and, uh, I still, I still remember just that kind of like that hype that happened before kind of like the age of spoiler culture, I guess, that we kind of live in now and casting and news and all that type of stuff. I mean, I think it was, uh, exciting having all these movies and having, you knew they were leading into the next one. But I think if you took out that end credit scene of the first Iron Man, when Nick Fury talks about the Avengers initiative, I really feel that that more than anything Marvel's done hyped it up so much because everybody was watching was like, holy shit, this is leading to an Avengers movie. Yeah. Something that nobody ever thought would happen. Yeah, it was it was totally new and it was fresh and people were just 
kind of getting it for the first time. You know, it wasn't kind of like so covered to the point that it is now. And it, I mean, it is what it is. It's this multi-billion dollar film empire now. It's It makes sense that they would announce future movies and all that type of stuff. But I kind of miss the simpler days of uh, just kind of watching it unfold, I guess. And the uh, Thor just makes me think about that. Yeah, and the biggest complaint Phase 4 had that I've heard is that uh, it doesn't feel like it's... Well, it's over now. They said Love and Thunder was the end, and Phase 4 never, didn't feel like it led to anything. Yeah. I mean, granted, I haven't seen all the projects, so, I mean, maybe if I watched them all, I would... There's more, but, well, I mean, I don't know. They say Love and Thunder is the end of Phase 4, and I don't see what Phase 4 even led to. It didn't even lead to, like, a new Avengers lineup. Yeah, it seems like it's uh, kind of almost like a stepping stone. I guess, I don't know if you if it was planned that way or if we can blame it on COVID or what, but it does seem like it was sort of a stepping stone to something else. I think maybe it was supposed to be a transition of uh, knowing that a lot of the classic characters weren't going to be, the actors weren't going to be around and they had to introduce like a whole new slew of characters to get things rolled. It seems like there has been a lot of that, like a lot of passing of the torch to kind of another person. That's kind of what a lot of the shows have kind of felt like and, and everything like that. But we're getting sidetracked a little bit here. We're talking Thor, Tales of Asgard. Now, I don't know if you looked it up, but I did. Uh, reviews are a little mixed on this. Some people uh, <laughs> yeah, some people enjoyed it. A lot of people really were down on it. it the ratings have found not, not very high. Uh, we're going to be getting into spoilers, so I don't want to say too much of the complaints. But yeah, it was. Uh, it's not universally loved. Uh, and a lot of complaints I hear is comparing it to the DC animated universe and how DC's animated universe does everything so much better than Marvel. Yeah, but uh, it's weird because the MCU is so much superior to the DC extended universe. And then you go to the animation. It's like the exact opposite. Marvel's animation never, with the exception of maybe X-Men, the animated series has never been as revered as uh, anything DC did. Yeah, that's true. So we're going to get into a little bit of the uh, the players of uh, Thor Tales of Asgard. A lot of characters, I'm not going to go into the details of all of them. Obviously, Thor, we already covered, created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, Jack Kirby. Uh, Matthew Wolf uh, does the voice of Thor. And I was unfamiliar, but apparently he's done a ton of voice work. He's been in everything from Hotel Transylvania 2, Madagascar 3, How to Train Your Dragon 2. But it's a bad sign when I find all these credits and none of them list they always say voices, additional voices. They don't actually list character names. <laughs> Loki, also created by Lee Kirby and Lieber. Uh, Rick Gomez does the voice. Uh, he had a little bit more of it going for him. He was uh, George uh, Luce in Band of Brothers. And uh, this might be before your time, but he played Endless Mike on The Adventures of Pete and Pete. <laughs> it's should be it's kind of right in my time actually you know i'm 33 so i grew up with uh with that uh in the background Yo, so you're growing up with more of the uh the classic old school nickelodeon stuff yeah like amanda please and uh oh yeah <laughs> odin father of thor christopher Britton did his voice uh his biggest claim to fame was uh he voiced mr sinister on X-Men, the animated series. Oh, okay. You find that a lot with a lot of people that if they've done voiceover work, they tend to do a lot of it, especially if they do like some of the English uh, anime dubs or video games. You see those people don't, don't fly from their wheelhouse very often. And we have Lady Sif, created just by Stanley and Jack Kirby. She's voiced by uh, Tara Strong. If you know anything about animation, you know Tara Strong. All over the place. 
She's been working for, I don't know, probably three decades at this point. She was the voice of Raven on Teen Titans Go. Uh, she was Timmy Turner on The Fairly Odd Parents. Bubbles on, uh, I believe, uh, I think that was Rugrats. Uh, or maybe I'm thinking of Dill Pickles. On, uh, don't quote me on that. She was Miss Minutes in uh, the Loki television show as well. Yeah. Uh, she's been on everything from Family Guy, Rick and Morty. Uh, I can't think of a female that is more prominent in the in the voiceover animation than Tara Strong. Yeah. All right, there are a lot more characters, but I, I couldn't get into everybody. So without further ado, we're going to watch Thor, Tales of Asgard, and give our two cents. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Sword of Surtur. The dwarves called it Elder Store. There are many who seek this weapon. For with it, even the weak can rise up against Jotunheim. I am Thor, son of Odin. There is a test of manhood for young warriors. The test is not in finding the Sword of Surtur, but in looking for it. He is nearing the age of adulthood. He has yet to arrive despite what he believes. There will be no leaving Asgard. Do you need something, brother? Loki, how is your magic? We're royalty. We're not equipped to handle adventure. I cannot take another step. Don't move. It's magnificent. I've never felt such power. We have intruders! Go, go, go! Elder Stahl has been found. I The sons of Odin. Prepare my army. This has moved beyond a harmless quest. Give them no quarter, lads! That sword has taken its last life. Not as long as the House of Odin still stands! Welcome to the Goat Boat, Asgard's number one transportation provider with service to the Nine Realms. We pride ourselves in operating the only touring vessel powered by magnificent goats. And as the official travel partner of the God of Thunder, you know you're in for a hell of a ride. It's just my first bad guy. Ah, never forget your first. Thor, Love and Thunder, in theaters Friday. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. We just watched Thor, Tales of Asgard. I'm going to hold my overall uh, review till the very end of the show. We opened with the credits, which were pretty good with some good music. 
And we open right off the bat with a a young... Th- well, <laughs> maybe you can clear this up. It seemed like he was a young Thor, but it was it just me or did it? everybody seem so much bigger than Thor and Loki on this cartoon? <laughs> yeah, like Odin was like three times the size of everyone else. <laughs> like, you know, in the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, like how they like overdo the kingpin and make him look huge like he reminded me of that yeah i got a little confused because i i thought him and loki were supposed to be like teenagers but they're very very small in comparison to the rest <laughs> rest of the asgardians so uh animation style I don't, know, I don't know how to describe it it's similar to anime but i wouldn't quite say anime it across it kind of reminded me of something like a, a ben 10 or something like that kind of animation style yeah, definitely had like similar kind of shots, like, you know, the zooming in on the eyes and stuff, like in moments of panic and, you know, that type of like traditional kind of anime looking type stuff. So, yeah, definitely had that kind of vibe to it. So, uh, Thor is uh, fighting a bunch of uh, soldiers in front of a big crowd, but it's more of a training session where at one point they even knock the sword out of his hand and everybody's surprised and then they give it back to him implying that Thor never really has uh, had any real combat experience or training. But kind of forget that, because even though it's kind of the kickoff, the catalyst for the plot, it seems to get, we're going to get to it later, gets quickly forgotten the longer the, the story progresses. Like, it, well, we're going to get to it later on. But, but uh, he goes and finds the Lady Sif in the stables. Uh, he said that it was the, uh, the sword's grip. That's why he was having some problem uh, fighting these guys. I do love her response. He says something about, uh, you know, did you see my big win? And she says something like, yeah, I saw it after they handed you your sword back off the floor or something like that. <laughs> yeah, if you said that, you know, the dwarves just didn't make the grip right. Uh, she makes some comments here where uh, he's never had any real combat that, uh, you know, they're pretty much saying they're always letting him win. Thor gets kind of angry, going to gonna prod her into... You know, if he's such a pushover that she can take him on. And he has my <laughs> favorite line of the episode. Where he says, choose your weapon, wench. <laughs> yes. Like the the word wench was used more than once, uh, which I thought was like, oh, OK, so they're doing it again. Like they're going to really commit to this. Which it's implied there's kind of like a there's a romantic spark between them. So him calling her wench is a little little off. <laughs> Um, but I, I've kind of fallen in love with the term wench since watching this it makes me want to <laughs> refer to my wife that the next time I see, where's my dinner wench. <laughs> so, uh, they have a fight where, uh, at first it's a pitchfork, but she breaks it off and just fights him with the staff, pretty much making a fool of him where she ends up dropping the bucket right over his head. Now, again, <laughs> just remember <laughs> Remember this later on. There's a scene of him where it's heavily implied they're letting him win. Then he gets his ass handed to him by Seth. Remember that when the adventure <laughs> with some of the stuff that happens later on. <laughs> then we go to, which is essentially at the town square, and we got the Warriors 3, which I don't know about you, but I, I love the Warriors 3. Love them in the comic book. Love them in the first, especially in the first Thor movie. And I actually love them in this. They are, they are tremendous. Yeah, they're really like, uh, really likable, really well written, uh, well voice acted. Thought they kind of nailed the personalities of the three, and uh, they came off really well. Yes, like uh, Volstag is talking about this great adventure they had, and he's jovial as ever. 
Fendrel, of course, has two broads with him, you know, that are just falling all over every word. Uh, and then Hogan seems kind of, uh, he's a little morose, but uh, he tries to build up the story in a subtle way, even more than uh, Volstag is building it up. Another theme is uh, Vandrel is uh, <laughs> the ladies are big fans of his. They, they seem to be clinging to him all the time. Yeah. Then Thor comes up and everyone kind of laughs at him, you know, because, you know, they saw his less than stellar performance. <laughs> he goes to Odin and he wants to go on a mission to Jotunheim to prove himself. Odin pretty much lets him know he has no faith in them that, yeah, they've been letting him win the whole time. The cat's out of the bag. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Odin is uh, just throughout this movie a very, you know, very uh, hard to kind of get any love from. I mean, he's very, he's very standoffish anytime <laughs> Thor tries to tell him anything. He's just like, no, you are going to stay here and listen to me and do whatever I say, and that's that. I'm not sure he did him any favors by uh, never testing his metal, like always letting letting him win. Then we get to a scene of uh, Loki, who's being trained by the Enchantress, who this is pretty much the only scene she shows up in, but uh, helps him. He turns, uh, he makes like a snake out of water. She's very impressed. They're about to get busy, but then uh, Thor interrupts him. I did expect that he would say something to Thor about it, but instead he just goes, oh, yeah, what do you want? I was <laughs> like, man, you got a missed opportunity there. So they also have the old thing of uh, Loki and Thor still on good terms with each other. Loki's not a bad guy. Now, at this point, I got to ask, how do you think they say they, they, they did this to coincide with the film, but it doesn't seem, with the exception of Odin, <laughs> who seems very similar to the film version. A lot of this seems kind of wonky in comparison to the movie. Yeah, to me, when I got done with it, I felt like it was a standalone project. It did not feel like it connected uh, to something else, um, especially, and Loki was one of the biggest reasons why. It just the, the characterization of him in this movie was totally different uh, than any way he's ever been described in, I know it's supposed to be a prequel and kind of a coming of age thing, but it just... Yeah, it didn't really feel like him. And that's fine if it's a different take on him. Um, but I didn't really feel any tangible connections to uh, any other film or anything, any other kind of bigger universe. Yeah, it feels almost like they were already working on it, found out the yeah. movie was going to get made. And they're like, all right, well, we got the movie, so it's going to help us if we release it at the same time. Right. So he recruits Loki. They're going to stow away on the ship. They're going to go on this mission. Because uh, apparently this mission that they go on, the Warriors 3, they come back unharmed every time. So Thor feels confident they can go have an actual real mission but not get hurt. Wonder why that is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Thor brags about his skills to Loki as well. At this point, like everyone, Sif, the Warriors 3, Odin, have all told this clown that you've just been let, they've been letting you win the whole time. But it still hasn't shared his confidence that he's not like the best. Then we go to uh, Odin, who's chatting with uh, Algrim, which is a dark elf, who's his uh, main uh, advisor, and uh, how he hasn't seen Thor or Loki in quite a while. They'd stowed away on the ship with the Warriors Three. They go to uh, a floating tavern, where it's basically ogres, trolls, soldiers, the whole nine yards. The classic, you know, 
Dungeons and Dragons type tavern that you always stop on where it has the eclectic mix. Yeah. <laughs> which is a great scene as well. Um, the Warriors three are there. Vandril tries to hit on this, uh, Fandril, I should say, hit on this waitress, but uh, apparently she's, uh, she may look good from the neck down, but uh, <laughs> a butterface as the, as the kids are saying these days. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Thor and Loki uh, reveal themselves to them because pretty much the cat's out of the bag that, that the whole time they've been supposedly going on this mission, they've actually just been going to this bar and getting away from Asgard. Then when Thor tries to get a drink, he does the classic... He took the drink from the wrong guy. This big werewolf-looking dude is mad because uh, Thor took his ale. That's how every bar fight in history, in the history of cinema, has ever started. The bartender breaks it up. Everything looks good. But then Loki does a little magic, so the drink spills right on the werewolf's face. And then a huge bar fight breaks out. <laughs> Very classic bar fight. You know, tables getting smashed, like beer glasses getting smashed over people's heads you know all the classics people getting thrown around no one really resorts to any kind of weapon except for uh loki gives thor a wooden hammer which he does this ridiculous scene where he throws it it bounces off knocks a chandelier on someone he even asks him if uh loki had used some magic on that hammer which he says no and they escape which by the way if you've ever wanted a thor story where Thor doesn't have a hammer, this is the story for you. Yeah, I because, kept thinking, I was like, he's going to get the hammer. Like, it's going to happen. It just, he just never got the hammer. Nope. Uh, <laughs> they're going to go to Jotunheim. They're going to they're gonna actually go on a quest to find Surtur's sword. So I will say this, uh, mostly everything from this is, uh, is from the comic book, if, if, even if it's not like the movie, like Thor, the Warriors 3, Loki, Surtur, the Dark Elves, the Frost Giants, like, so I'll give them that. They took almost everything out of the comic book. Took some liberties with Thor. Um, but they've always... <laughs> they've done plenty of young Thor stories and whatnot and plenty of stories without his hammer. So I guess I got to cut him some slack. Yeah. Then we, we cut to Sif, who's training with the Valkyries, who they're doing their archery practice where, you know, Sif, she shoots her uh, dummy right in the balls. <laughs> You know, you were talking about reviews uh, at the beginning, and I, after I watched the movie, I was like, I'm curious what other people think, and I typed in reviews, and one of the first reviews that pop up, I clicked on it, started reading it, and I was like, this is a weird review, and it hit me that it was one of those, like, Christian film sites that, like, reviews <laughs> movies, and they're like, hey, your kids, here's objectionable, objectionable content in the movie to, like, <laughs> keep it away, and so it hit me because it was talking about how, like, well, there's this one scene where <laughs> she... The, one of the girls shoots an arrow and it hits a guy and it hits a dummy in the crotch or something like that. And I was like, why is that in the review? And then it hit me. I was like, oh, this is one of those sites. <laughs> and then uh, Broomhilda says that uh, men only have one use and after that they should be disposed. That took me off guard a little bit. Wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess as men... You know, if that's the only use we have, I guess there's worse things to be known for our, uh, our one <laughs> use. <laughs> so uh, we uh, cut to Jotunheim, where they've crashed the ship. They're uh, stranded on Jotunheim. You find out Loki's the only one that is not cold. A little bit of foreshadowing for stuff to come later on down the road. Speaking of that, you know, it seems like the, in the MCU, they've almost completely forgotten Loki is like, 
a frost giant. It almost seems to never get referenced after the uh, after the first film. Didn't they pop in with like a what was that animated show that they did? It was like What If or whatever. I think they like made a big reference to it in that. Yeah, it's like they had an think, alternate version of him that was like full on frost giant or something. Yeah, I think the episode like what if Thor was an only child or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. it's it's been a while since I've watched that, but I feel like that's like kind of I'm picturing that right now. And I can't remember, but it must have been referenced in the Loki TV show at least once with all the alternate versions of Loki and whatnot. They 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 had to have, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, they're going to give up because they say the sword will never be found. It's never been found in all these journeys. But then Loki and Thor remember Odin's stories from their childhood and the big fight with Surtur and Odin because they both have it memorized. They love that story, which is a clue to where they think the sword would be located. And uh, when they get there, they uh, actually crash through the ice. Did it feel like some of these things were like commercial breaks almost like? Yeah, it did. Um, didn't feel like a cohesive film as much as it kind of felt like a few different episodes, kind of of a show tied together. Almost, you could feel where the breaks were. Almost, almost like it was planned as a TV show. Yeah, because when they crashed through the ice, it, like it went black, and it felt like that was a spot where a commercial break would be. Yeah, but then we go back to Asgard, and the uh, that uh, orc who owned the tavern shows up. He wants payment for uh, his bar getting destroyed by uh, Thor and his cohorts. The way he convinces him that he was there is because Thor left his sword behind. He's got him. So Odin knows that, that this guy's on the level. But then we go back to Jotunheim. They have found Surtur's sword, which is huge, by the way. It's gigantic. But they do say the dwarves made the sword adjust to the hand of the wielder. So since Surtur is like, you know, 40 feet tall, that's why the sword's so big. Yeah. And uh, Thor does lift it. It does shrink to his size, but then it goes crazy and blows a giant hole through the ice mountain. <laughs> and uh, Thor manages to, to, what's the word, sieve? Is that the, uh, is that the word when you put the sword into the, into the hole? There's sheath, I think. Sheath, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they find that to get out of there, they're going to need to go north to the Valkyries so they can find transport. And then uh, Fandrell says how they're passing from one frigid world to another. Yeah. <laughs> You know it's bad if uh, it's, a, it's a place full of women and fandrels even not all that excited to go there. <laughs> um, and then you get a quick scene. The snow, f- the snow fairies uh, who have seen them earlier, they inform the frost giants that there are intruders in Jotunheim. So uh, big trouble is going to be brewing there. Uh, they get to, actually, I thought this next scene was pretty awesome where they find there's this big bridge out of Jotunheim, and it's covered by uh, these two giant statues of uh, Frost Giant. Felt very uh, almost never-ending story there when yeah. Atreyu goes and there's the the, giant, the two Sphinx statues. We were just waiting for them to uh, come to life. And the, the way the camera goes through them, I think it was the best animation in that scene where they kind of go in them and the, the statues are, are shining and they're kind of almost looking at our characters without actually, you know, being alive. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. But then they do come to life. At the same time, the rest of the fraud strides catch up with them. There's a big fight where Thor uses the sword, crashing, destroying the bridge, actually causing two of the fraud strides to fall to their death. Which they really uh, went for it with the deaths, too. Like the swords literally just like turned these people to ash. Yes. <laughs> like I was like, oh, oh, okay. We're going to do that. <laughs> 
Uh, we're <laughs> we're not gonna just like make them disappear in the light. Like we're gonna disintegrate them. No, they, yeah, they <laughs> these guys fall to their deaths, but other people get hit with a sword. Just <laughs> they just like turn into ash. They just blow up pretty much. You find out that Thor didn't actually want that to happen. He's actually really distraught. He didn't want to kill anybody. You go to a shot with the, the king of the frost giants. Is they're gonna march on Asgard because this is an act of war. So plot wise, you're almost you're kind of loosely following the first movie where Thor's impetuousness going to Jotunheim is going to cause havoc between Asgard and the Frost Giants. Yeah. So plot-wise, how you got there is a little different. Thor is more arrogant in the movies, but you're, you're kind of similar. Thor sneaks into the Valkyrie training camp where uh, it doesn't look like such a bad place to me. There's a lot of naked women uh, <laughs> hanging out in a giant pool. I was watching it like with my kid, uh, who's four, and I was like, Good. Do I need to cover his eyes right now? Like, what's about, <laughs> what's about to happen? <laughs> Before he interrupts Sif, Sif almost takes a robe off and gets naked. <laughs> but uh, he tries to explain that we're just there for help. But uh, tries to shoo him away, but it's too late. The Valkyries uh, catch him. You notice the Valkyries, with the exception of Brumhilda, look almost, they all look exactly the same. They're all tall, blonde, really no distinguishing features from one another. <laughs> um then we we switch to asgard the frost giants are at the gates of asgard and odin comes out to talk trying to negotiate a deal he had no knowledge that thor had been there and actually uh accidentally killed those people and he's because of his actions has declared war the only thing the frost giant will accept is odin by sunrise turns over the sword of surter so stakes are pretty high at this point yeah. Now, Algrim says he's he knows where they're going, and uh, he's going to go save them. We go back to the Valkyries. They've caught everyone. They've gotten Thor. They've got the Warriors 3. They've uh, Things are not looking good for our heroes. At first, they haven't caught Loki, though. He's kind of hiding in the shadows. He uh, gets the sword. He threatens them, and he says, attention, wenches. <laughs> He's going to use the sword, but Thor talks him out of it. He does surrender. And even that's not good enough for this, uh, this uppity broad uh, Brumhilda. She wants to execute them all. I mean, come on. <laughs> they gave her the sword. They surrendered peacefully. What does, he, what does she want? The Frost Giants attack. Thor actually, in a pretty cool scene, manages to break his chains. Big fight. Sif on a Pegasus saves the day at one point. Uh, even saves Brumhilda from being killed. She says, uh, you got to get that sword and get it out of here. Get this all resolved and tell Sif, only come back to the Valkyries when you're truly ready. So yeah, I thought that was kind of a weird turn for her. Like she had five minutes before been like, you know what? Uh, all men should die and this sword is mine. And then she kind of just was like, all right, here's the sword, and y'all get out of here. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I felt like it was, like, really quick. It did seem like, um, yeah, like, she would, the way she's portrayed, you'd think that she would take the sword and be like, well, we can just take care of these frost giants ourselves. Yeah. But she's kind of like, the only way is to send the sword back to Asgard and have Thor take care of it. So a little bit of a, I don't know if I'd call it a plot hole, but definitely a little weird. Now, Algrim and the Asgardians, they catch up with him because he knows that there's only one watering hole in Jotunheim, so they're going to find him there, which he does. 
he tells him that sword is evil and nothing good will become of it. And Algrim will relieve him of this burden. Now, I got to say, I was kind of suspicious of this dude the whole movie. And uh, when he said the part about relieving from yeah. this burden, you Lord knew. Of the, yeah, Ring, Lord of the Rings was kind of <laughs> yeah. in my head at that point. Like, I don't know if this is going to go so well. Yeah, it was kind of one of those, uh, you know, don't you're yelling at your TV, somebody in a scary movie, like don't walk into the room kind of scenarios. And he gives a big speech about how when the dark elves were pretty much wiped out by the frost giants, they went to Odin for help, but he didn't get involved. And uh, they called Surtur. That was their only option to beat the frost giants. And now that he has the sword, the sword, he's going to avenge the death of the Dark Elves. He's going to take care of Odin. He's going to bury Asgard in ashes. And then he does kill those Asgardians there with him. Like you said, he, he literally turns them into ashes. Yeah, he has a list and everyone is on it. <laughs> I think he names everyone. Oh, uh, yeah. He even tells Thor to not come back because he is going to, and I quote, bury Asgard in ashes. So this guy means business. There is a great, I got to say, one of the best fight scenes is with him and Odin have a giant fight. Odin's yeah. got his spear. He's got the sword of Surtur. Really some cool stuff in there. Explosions, like it's it's craziness. He tries to explain to him that they never should have went to Surtur in the first place. He couldn't be trusted. He was always going to make things worse, which he says it's easy for you to say. Your your people weren't wiped out. Then the uh, the heroes all return. Loki and uh, Thor are going to go save Odin while uh, Sif and the Warriors 3, they're going to fight on the battlefront. Thor recovers his sword during this whole thing and uses it to fight Algrim with, who's using Surtur's sword. So I thought the scene was a little confusing. Like, why would this sword is Thor suddenly able to go toe-to-toe to this guy who's got the sword of Surtur? Yeah. And by the way, this is why I, I brought up the... The whole <laughs> beginning, it's Thor's been fake trained. Nobody's given a fight. They let him win. Sif makes a fool of him. You wouldn't know that ever happened because he kicks ass in almost every scene he's in. He's almost never in peril. This fight scene is going toe to toe. And I'm just like, it's like, do you want it to be a coming of age story or not? Because <laughs> it's like, at first, he's kind of painted as this guy who's just like totally fake and. Like, you know, doesn't have any skills whatsoever. And then, yeah, he goes toe to toe with this guy who supposedly has this like master weapon that can destroy everything and everyone's scared of it. And he's just like, no problem, you know? So it's like, uh, I don't, it, it seems fast to just be like, now I'm this like amazing hero that can just defeat anyone. Right? And I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to kind of say like, look, he's Thor now, but it just seemed a little fast. Well, it's like, <laughs> I was expecting like a training montage or, or some, <laughs> yeah, give me at least one training, <laughs> like give it, give me him like doing some pull-ups and like, you know, swinging some wooden swords and stuff. Or like, you know, like the Warriors three training him or like some scene where he gets his ass completely kicked that he learns from because he never actually was ever tested. But it's almost like it's forgotten that this guy never had any real training his whole life. He ends up stabbing this dude with the sword of, uh, with Odin's spear, where he's actually bleeding. And this was one of the, you brought up criticisms, a lot of the critiques, negative criticism, but some of the sexual innuendos, and they said it was too violent in a lot of the criticisms I heard as well. And I guess they do blow people up and stab them with the spear. So I guess I can cut them some slack on that. 
Thor says that as much as he uh, wants to get revenge, he can't forget Algrim's friendship, all the things he's done for him. But Loki, who thought Odin was pretty much dead, he goes crazy, he screams monster, and blows him up with that sword. Yeah, same sort of thing. Like, kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere in a way. Like, I was like, oh, okay. Why is he doing that? <laughs> like, <laughs> he hasn't been this way the whole movie. It was kind of a jump because up to that point, he just seemed kind of mis- mischievous. But here, he just seems like damn aggressive. I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Thor ends up fighting through the frost giants of the king. He returns the sword and offers himself to bring an end to this war. He actually accepts the offer, takes the sword, says there will be peace, says that he warned Odin never to give sanctuary to Algrim in the first place. But the war is over. Thor has become the hero with a little help from his friends. And then there's Odin in bed where he has a big heart-to-heart with Odin where he said that uh, they both apologize. They've uh, both were wrong, which I kind of like because there's too much now in entertainment where a character gets berated by another character, just how awful they are and how bad they are. <laughs> and there needs to be more, I think, go back to a little bit of mutual of everyone learns from their mistakes, not just one particular character. Yeah. But uh, Loki never went there. Loki was kind of still, uh, he was kind of hanging out, doing more magic, kind of like a little morose kind of complaining, like a little bit of a hint that uh, things aren't going to go so great for uh Loki's uh, disposition. Yeah, because they never dealt with that at the end. It's kind of like he just blasted this guy into ash, and then they just didn't talk about it again. <laughs> like, they're like, all right, I guess, okay, I guess let's leave now. Yeah. Like, they almost needed to address it a little bit. Like, if it's a heart-to-heart, if it's a, if it's a, I don't feel bad what I did, you know, and or, whatever, or something, I think that would have been a better way to kind of tie it up a little bit more. Uh, Thor does give him a speech about how he, he did, oh, Loki did what he thought was right at the yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Thor kind of like, kind of like understanding. So it's kind of like left where he, you think he's bad, but nothing that, it doesn't leave to the point where you think Loki's going to turn to the dark side, really. Yeah. And then we go back to the town square. There's the Warriors 3 bragging about their story. Fandrill's back with the ladies. They're all impressed by everything that happened. Uh, they're exaggerating the whole story. <laughs> Thor shows up, so, acts like he's going to let the cat out of the bag that these guys are full of it. <laughs> but then Thor builds up the story to be even more impressive than they were. Yeah. They were like 34 frost giants. He's like, I think it was 50 frost giants. <laughs> <laughs> what I loved about this was like, him lying and making the story sound ridiculous, like Hogan, like loved it, like that made Hogan like light <laughs> up, and he he joined in, like he was so happy that Thor made them seem even better than they already were. And then they end with a scene of uh, looks like uh, Thor and uh, Sif are gonna go another round, yeah. But instead, they embrace and have a kiss at the very end of Thor: A Tale of Asgard. Which was a great way to end it, but I feel if that happened now, like they would have to do a scene where Sif kicks his ass again before, <laughs> before the kiss would happen. Like I feel like if that movie came out now, that 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 wouldn't have happened that way. That yeah. Thor would get humiliated a second time by Sif, and then she might let him kiss her. <laughs> and that's how you ended Thor: Tales of Asgard. And we're gonna get to our rankings in a minute, but I gotta say, I mean, 
I brought it up once before. Man, if you ever dreamed of a story where Thor doesn't use his hammer, this is the <laughs> yeah, animation for you. <laughs> this is the animation for you. Like, what the? That was the only part of the thing that really annoyed me. Like, what the hell? He never got his hammer. He never used it. <laughs> Yeah, I expect. I just kept expecting it. I was like, you know, at the end, it's gonna happen. He's gonna like defeat one more enemy with it or something. It's gonna be like his final piece he needs to become Thor. But nope, never happened. Now I'm, I know it's a prequel, and they've done stories in the past where Thor lost his hammer for whatever reason. But anybody watching this, especially to coincide in the movie, you're gonna want to see Thor with his goddamn hammer. <laughs> <laughs> like what the hell? I'm excited that or I mean I'm not gonna get into my official review yet. Overall, uh entertaining. Uh be it maybe uh now you know what? We're gonna go right to our spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, spectrometers where we rank we just saw four spectros being absolute perfection, zero spectros being garbage. Jay. How many spectros are you going to give Thor Tales of Asgard? Am I allowed to do a half or does it have yeah, to be a whole No, halves and quarters, uh, all that's acceptable. Some people use decimal points, whatever works. <laughs> I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like a 2.75. So like entertaining, enjoyable watch. I enjoyed it when I was watching it. I never kind of looked around and thought like, man, I'd rather be doing something else right now. You know, while I was watching it. I thought the it was a good coming of age story, which uh, you know I'm always kind of like a little hesitant to watch prequel type stuff because always like buying into a prequel is just harder, uh, you know, like naturally it's just a harder thing to do. But um, I felt like it did a good job of sticking the landing, which uh, was good. And um, yeah, it, but uh, it, is it something I'd go back and watch again in a year or two? Like probably not, um, but I enjoyed it for what it was. I'm gonna go yeah, two two and a half. Things about it I really liked. Like I liked, I liked the adventurous, whimsical side, especially with the Warriors Three. Animation was it wasn't top notch, but it was it was fine. Made me laugh in parts. The only thing I'm going to take away from it is uh, story is entertaining, but a tad generic. I got really annoyed that he didn't have his hammer, and I don't know the whole thing about him, his whole life having no training, like. Never being tested. That Apparently, was my biggest beef he was, with the movie too. He was great. He was great all along, and he just yeah. <laughs> is they it, were kind of wanted the payoff without any of the work. Like they wanted the payoff of him being like he's Thor, but they didn't do any of the work to get him to that point because when they started the movie, he was not Thor, you know. And so yeah, that was my biggest beef with it. Um, the the length of it I thought was good. I thought it was tight. It was a little only a little over an hour. I thought that was about right a lot of times with these you have the potential of like it dragging a little bit kind of pushing two hours i felt like this one was could have used a little bit more exposition on some stuff but like overall like i felt like the the length was about right yeah i'd agree but yeah it was like it came off like oh he was awesome all along they just never they should have just tested him and let him actually uh <laughs> practice yeah but <laughs> I guess you could argue, you know, the humility of his actions caused the war and all that. And yeah, he, he needed to learn that lesson. But I, I felt they could have done more with the fact that this guy never had any real tests put to him <laughs> until this adventure. 
But what did you think out there? Did you like it more than Jay and myself? Did you like it less? If you had a different opinion, that's okay. I don't uh the whole point of having guests and talking with different people is to get different opinions. Tell us what you thought of Thor, Tales of Asgard. We also ask every uh, episode of a child in 2022 came across Thor, Tales of Asgard. What do you think? Is it for them? I think it depends on the age, and I think it depends on kind of what other stuff you show them. Um, you know, I, I, my, I have three kids. Um, I have twins. Two of them are four. Um, one, uh, you know, they're, they're probably a little young to kind of get it, I guess. Like I'd probably wait a little bit as far as like content goes though. I don't think there's anything that would hold me back from having a kid watch it now. No, I agree The a couple of little sexual innuendos, but that, that would go over it. Uh, crosses the line. It's always like kind of, it's under yeah, the radar. It would go over a kid's head yeah. and I think it's simplistic enough animation wise that I think a kid would, uh, I think a kid probably would enjoy it. Not like a little, little kid, more like a, somewhere around nine or 10, I bet you yeah. a kid would, would yeah. enjoy this. That's about right. But again, you can always tell us what you think. You do so by go finding me on my social media and letting me know. Uh, Matt Spectro on Twitter. And you can tell me what you thought of Thor Tales of Asgard. Follow me while you're there. Or you can find me on Facebook, Matt Spectro through the multiverse. And give me your thoughts there as well. I always appreciate it. As always... When I have a guest, which is every week, <laughs> the floor is open. The floor is yours, Jay. Plug away anything and everything you want to plug. Have at it. Well, you can find my personal uh, Twitter at just at Jay Sisson, just J-A-Y-S-I-S-S-O-N. My podcast, Commute the Podcast, it's weekly. It comes out on Mondays. Uh, me and a co-host, we cover three interesting topics in 20 minutes total or less. Uh, just kind of the average length of a commute. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter at, at podcast commute or on Instagram at commute the podcast. And we have a website, commute the So come check us out and listen through a few of our episodes. Man, I feel like an idiot. I, it just dawned on me now why you're, <laughs> why your podcast is called <laughs> <laughs> commute the podcast. Yeah. We're, we're trying to build a show for, you know, people on the go. Like, uh, if you're, if you're on the go, you're just going to work or something like that. Here's three interesting things you can talk about with, uh, make you more interesting when you're at parties, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. First time I heard you guys talking about the, the McRib and Cracker Barrel. <laughs> you know, we, we try to, we try to make it weird. Uh, it just depends on the mood that we're in, I guess. But I gotta say, man, God, I feel that <laughs> that was staring me in the face the whole time until you, <laughs> <laughs> until you said that it never occurred to me. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank Jay for joining us. Uh, if you could also, uh, Subscribe to my podcast, Matt Spectre of the Multiverse. And while you're at it, subscribe to Commute the Podcast as well. And uh, if you could give us both a five-star rating and share the podcast, we appreciate it as well. Jay, I want to thank you for joining the Multiverse. I hope you'll come back for another episode. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I had fun. This Monday will be uh, your next episode. Do you know the topic yet? Uh, I think I'm doing a segment on uh, who owns the moon, uh, which, uh, you know, it's actually pretty complicated. Uh, and then, uh, my co-host Dave, we switch off, uh, he'll do two and I'll do one. And then the next week I'll do two and he'll do one. So this is my week to do one. All right. Check it out. And uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us as always. And join us again next week for another exciting episode of Met Spectrum through the multiverse. See you.